Hey everyone, uh, this is Ethan. Before we get started with this really great episode on the importance of expression and how it plays into menswear and making outfits, uh, I do want to let you know that there is something kind of going on with Spencer's desk. It was definitely wobbling, and we did tell him during the recording that it was happening, and uh, no matter what he did, it kind of kept kind of coming up. And so, yeah, you might hear that during the episode. We're really sorry about that. Hopefully it doesn't detract from the episode uh, and your experience listening to it. But yeah, it's definitely there. Um, I also want to say that this is the last episode um, for, you know, these past three months. So we'll be taking a break for the month of April and we'll be back in June. I'm also taking a vacation in the week of June, and so we might switch up our schedule. You know, that just means that maybe an episode will come up, um, you know, bleeding into the fourth month in that second period. Um, but yeah, th- like don't worry, we'll make up for it. It means you'll also get a cool episode this coming uh, year about my Italy trip uh, when I'm going on vacation with my parents for my mom's wedding. Um, but yeah, just want to keep let you guys know about that. Um, if you guys want to keep up with us, again, go to patreon.com slash Um, You know, that's kind of where the active um, community of of uh, subscribers are and also bonus episodes there's gonna be a bonus episode about spencer's recent trip to new york as well um but yeah i uh, just want to let you guys know about that at the top of the show and i think we're ready to talk about expression uh again read the read my article about it because it's actually it fills in a lot of the gaps of what we don't talk about um it's really a great important topic for us i'm really excited to kind of share this with you guys so uh yeah without further ado mj you can uh press play now Oh, yep, yep, do it now. All right, bye-bye. Hello, baby. (laughs) Actually, I don't know what this is. peeking behind the curtain? This is not a video podcast. You can't start out with... So for the (laughs) audience... We we've been we're sitting in a, a like a, a Zoom call and we're trying to figure out what the cold open is everyone's favorite part and he just comes in here and he has his hands in front of his face and is pulling it apart like there's a curtain. Okay, are you, I just, are you gonna I like stick? I'm I have to do this because again we're not a video podcast. This is the only way people are gonna get the bit. A VP. Yeah, um, we should we should um have a guy who like the, a fourth mic on the podcast who just describes the f- the physical actions we're doing in yeah. like a soft voice behind us. It's like, uh, Ethan it's like up to the, the reverse. Yeah. It's <laughs> we're always the... walking up and away from the, from our webcams too. When we're recording, we're constantly getting up and walking around the room, moving, moving around. Moving yeah. Around. So it, you, you guys are really missing a huge part of <laughs> the whole yeah. podcast. We're so animated. Sometimes we have costumes, props. Well, I I want to get to that stage. I think I said I want I want the internet celeb like treatment, like the fandom okay. treatment. Where like we're you know well okay like <laughs> some people will like animate or do like uh, animatics of okay of uh you know well, comedy bang bang scenes right. I, I'd be fine with that. When you said like I want the fandom thing, I was imagining more like people are going to write fanfics about the three of us like getting trapped on an island and having sex. I, think, I don't want that. To be I clear, we... I don't want that at all. Please don't. Do, I do not endorse any of that stuff. We've made that joke like a bunch of times. Because, well, I mean, the people on the internet are all freaks and perverts. Like, we, it's just, you know. 
Yeah, what's up, freaks? Hey, guys, what's up, my freaks and perverts? That's the names of our fans, freaks coming, and perverts. Coming to, you, coming to you live from my pervert central. Direction <laughs> studio. Pervert central. PV yeah. and the PC. Oh, man. Uh, pervert. <laughs> yeah. Per- perverted. Is that how a Filipino person would say it? Spencer can't say that yeah, because I can't uh, say that. Uh, that'd be racist. <laughs> uh, um, okay, the reason why I, I did the opening the curtain, the curtain thing is uh, I remember now. Um, I was it wasn't going to be a bit. But I know why. I know why. Well, I know why it was in my head. Uh-huh. And so this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, there's a scene in Creed three where like they're at some place and like it like there's like a bead like one of those like bead door separated oh, things. Yeah. And so. And so uh, Jonathan Major's character walks through it, and then so I'm like, okay, it's it's real, it's physical, right? And then <laughs> yeah, it's real, <laughs> it's real. And then is there then, a lot of stuff in that movie that's not real? Okay. Like, does he like pass through things? Let me tell you. So you know how cameras will go through the window? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, it's the trick because cameras can't do that. Yeah, like you know, that means that the window is fake. Like it's uh, a CGI. So, oh wait, window. The, so the camera went through and the beads were pushed aside by the camera. No, that's oh. what I thought was gonna happen. Okay. So like, it, again, it was. <laughs> welcome back to movie mistakes. <laughs> um, but now, yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, Jonathan Majors walks through. Then Apollo mm. Creed, you know, Adonis Creed, uh, Michael B. Jordan's character walks through, and then the camera just goes through and i'm like hold, mm. hold on a second those were those are real i kind of like yeah kind of movie corner again i kind of like when the the camera is kind of more like like physical i guess like I, I wish i could think of an example but there are a couple movies that i've seen where it's it's not like obviously it's not like a documentary type type thing but it's like the camera kind of struggles to find the action for a second as though it is like just you know uh, a documentary and being filmed live. You mean you mean like in how Star Wars? I think a couple of times in the sequels were like there's a ship and like the camera will like pan to it and then zoom in in the same sh- like it doesn't cut. It goes like a dynamic I, I kinda thing. Like the, yeah, that's kind of fun. I also just yeah, I really like like physical zooms and like when when yeah stuff moves really fast and you could kind of see it shake for a second. I like you're, you're just you know, like a, I like, like remembering the, thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I just you know I like when there's a, a, a per when you can tell that there's a person behind the camera sometimes. Not always the shaky cam, but you know. Yeah, this is this is a totally real thing. I you know when I was watching. Uh, Creed three. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not sponsored by Creed three at all. Even though Michael B. Jordan is that did the Ralph Lauren thing. Yeah, he and Mi- the, Michael the, Michael does B. Jordan. There's a B. Um, <laughs> no bees. Yeah. By the way, yeah. Michael Michael B. Jordan in the film. So Apollo uh, Adonis, Adonis Creed, Creed is sponsored by Ralph Lauren in. Oh the movie. really? And then in real life, I, Ralph Lauren obviously gave him like the like the the. The clothes because yeah. i was watching it i'm like oh these look good and then he when he's driving like contemplating life he he drives by a poster of him like uh-huh. ralph it says ralph lauren and it's him he gets I'm like okay so from, from it's both he's like hey i'm at my i'm at my ranch i don't i can't remember what ralph lauren sounds like hey michael b jordan <laughs> probably <laughs> hey, doesn't sound like that yeah <laughs> i'm ralph uh yeah, he does wear a lot of not not to make this a a Creed movie style. It's like a free bonus episode for yeah. you. His uniform in the film is like this like tonal hoodie with like a suit um that has a like a throat latch on it. Also, oh, okay. but it's not, it's not it's not like a tweed suit. It's like a regular like brown kind of yeah. suit. He he does wear it unfortunately with like the white sneakers, very athleisure meets tailoring kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then during some scenes, he does wear a pinstripe uh, suit. Ooh, uh, so very very Ralph. 
Fairy uh, Ralph. Fairy Ralph Lauren. Um, welcome, guys. Welcome. Uh, oh, I, I, I welcome. wasn't going to say what the point was. I forgot. Uh, I'm Ethan, by the oh. way. Ethan, Ethan M. Wong. <laughs> I'm uh, Spencer DSO. I'm MJ. In the style direction, a men's for podcast with stuffiness. Uh, my final point on that was, yeah. you know, every time I watch movies, I'm like, yeah, that's like these kids who play like, you know, who play the younger version of them. You know, it's not an exact match. Like they're not, they're not de-aged, right? Like this is, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh, like, since I'm aware of that, I'm like, oh yeah, this, this is a movie. It's so like kind of plays with the whole like, yeah, like a camera, like there's a camera guy here. Like yeah. this is not like. I mean, movies are fake. Like, it's not like this is not, it's not how real life works. <laughs> movies are and fake, so, people. So it's, We're, well, let me be the first to tell you. I mean, those people with the train. <laughs> exactly. The, <laughs> oh, my the, God. The, do you remember the first time you saw that? I, I screamed <laughs> as loud as I could. I wonder when the first time I actually saw, like, like it must have been a compilation or something. Yeah. I actually think okay now not to bring it back to Christianity and not back, uh, <laughs> but I do think it was seen. It, it was like a uh, it was probably some sermon about like why Hollywood is evil and it's like see like back then your like people were so scared of of, yeah. of movies because of trains and nowadays movies are showing you sex and drugs. See, it's the same thing. And I feel like I saw it in a compilation for that actually. Yeah. About how evil movies are because of the the Melies brothers or whatever. Um, yeah. Or sorry, Lumiere Brothers, George Melia. I was thinking about Hugo, um, because that that that's, uh, his, that's his fake name in that one. Or is it <laughs> sure, his fake name no, or is he, no, is he playing it, with, him, with a real character? No, so uh, no, it's uh, Ben Kingsley plays George Melies, but the Lumiere Brothers did the train arriving at the station thing. Oh, oh, that's what they, you they mean. show yeah, okay. that they show George Melies seeing it in that movie, and I thought the like the depiction of how people were freaked out was like pretty realistic because it's not like it's not anyone screaming and running out. It's just uh, it's just a huge you know a huge projected screen, yeah. and the train comes barreling forward. And everyone's like, whoa for a second and it's like okay i feel like that's probably the reaction <laughs> Not like get me out of this because it's like they they realized after a second that obviously the train's not going to hit them but you know if you if um, if you were born in like the 1860s or something you had never seen a moving image like that projected on a screen uh you, you might you might jump a little bit i i think it's understandable if you, if you defrosted if... a caveman yeah exactly <laughs> I'm wondering if we're going to like ever have that for us. Like, what's what's going to be like a crazy like like a it's humanoid robot? A maybe. Well, no. I mean, you've seen the videos of people like putting on like like VR headsets and then like like freaking out and jumping into their coffee tables and shit like that. <laughs> oh, I feel okay. Like, so we're still in that era. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's happening. Maybe there will be some. I saw I saw this big. Um, I saw this thing on Twitter where it was this uh, big like neon sign. It was these really fast spinning blades yeah. that were like uh, that created like a hologram effect of like, yeah, yeah, a, giant, yeah, yeah. Of, like a giant sandwich. And it's, nice. and it's like, I mean, I maybe, that. yeah, maybe that, that you, you reach up to grab the sandwich and then you, you your arm just gets chopped off by the, by the blades. <laughs> That's the next step. Aren't but they usually like, like soft ones though? They're like they're like the little yeah, like it, in, the, in my scenario they're they're completely they're metal blades. Yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. Like like plastic. the it's a trap. This is a trap for home invaders. <laughs> like just in your front door, there's just a giant floating sandwich, and any any burglar and it looks so it, real. It's gonna be like, whoa! Yeah. Don't mind if I do. 
Okay, you're, I was gonna say you, you don't want it to be like a, like a like a diamond or. A... No, it's got to be a sandwich. That's the only okay. thing it can project. You, yeah, you think like, oh, how how nice of these people to leave leave a sandwich over oh, here Russian? for me to eat. Oh, I, no, I was doing New York actually. Okay, but... it sounded a little bit Russian. I was, I like I like this character, the Russian cat burglar. <laughs> Yeah. Who's always hungry? And I always... want the sandwich. Now it's like heavy weapons. Time to eat. I know. Eat yeah. the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's ten minutes. <laughs> All right, done. I'll go. Hell go. Hello. Hell go. Welcome. Uh, today we are going to be talking about something very near and important to me. It's called clothing, and I love it so much. We're talking about clothes today. Yeah. Uh, so here's the full here's the full backstory on this episode. So I was in New York a couple of months ago in October, September, October, something like that. And of course, I always go to Strand Bookstore. I always go into their uh, their vintage book section. And I, you guys know me, I love reading critical essays and philosophy stuff, usually about art, not just like general stuff. Okay, I'm not talking about. I hate reading general my, stuff. Yeah general stuff uh but i found this book called the corded shell by peter kivy ivy Ooh, who knows like he's shell dead Cordovan. yeah <laughs> and it's about uh musical expression and i thought it was really cool and i was trying to read it i was like maybe maybe there'll be something in here that we can relate to menswear because we're whatever we're running out of steam just kidding not really <laughs> we, we've interviewed two of the three hosts on here yeah there's plenty <laughs> of content left over what, what we got well, listen we're we're like a steam engine over here we're, we're making steam as we go. Is that how steam engines work? You also need coal. We, we, we got the coal right here, baby. I'm pointing to a pile of coal in my bedroom. Thanks, really thanks Santa. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thanks, Santa. You fool. This is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was reading it and I was having coffee with a friend. I'm not sure if she's listening to this. And if she is, I'm sorry for calling you out. But uh, I'm just trying to read. And she straight up says... Ethan, what makes a good outfit? And I'm like, I I don't know. Like, what do what do you want me to do right here? And then it was like it became a whole like I didn't even get to fucking read. I didn't even get to start the book. Yeah. Like it was like about like what does good mean? And you know we've already kind of talked about taste. And I said, okay, well I think that there's you know a good outfit is about executing your taste really well. And she goes, okay, do you believe that there's good or bad taste? And I go, well we I know that. I kind of hedged around that in the episode that we did about it. Um, I think we kind of like recanted that, or as I like, as I was like writing my blog post, that like I definitely think that there is developed taste. Like I don't think that that things should be shallow. Like when we talked about with cool, like cool should be built on something that excites you and that has references, not just about one dimension of like oh it's popular or it's yeah. got mainstream appeal. So we've been kind of hinting around this and so as i read the book i'm like actually this is a really good framework um and we're not going to talk about the book completely because it's kind of very musically focused but i definitely think it again it provides framework of what makes a good outfit and my thesis after reading the book is that expression is what makes an outfit good Hmm. and it might not be the only metric for a good outfit, but it definitely should be considered as one of the biggest metrics for it, you know? And, um, well, you got to hear some birds. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a little bird, uh, bird talk. Bird talk, BTs. The original uh, Twitter over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we're talking about, you know, when we, whenever we talk about outfits, we're always talking about like, you know, especially after we've interviewed both of you guys, it's about like kind of expressing who you are, right? Yeah. Spencer, you talked about like you, 
you know, you look like a guy who likes history. You know, you look like, you know, when people find out that you're a journalism major, that you're, you know, your editor in chief, they go, okay, that makes sense. You know, and I think with MJ, like, you know, you, you can literally wear your, um, you know, like, you know, the, like the, those merch t-shirts that we have all like the, all, all the fandom stuff, but you also kind of like evoke some ideas, like, like the bold colors, like main character energy, but like, you know, by being very masterful use of color, like that's expressing something that you like. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. again, after doing those stuff and reading this book, I'm like, this is what I think. This is what I think makes an outfit and good. And I think it's like, you know, uh, something, something I, I really believe um, it, it ain't what you do. It's the way that you do it. Um, yes. I mean, uh, like I, I think I've said this before and I, I think this is something I think about a lot, but like, it, like I, I, I know, I think I said this on my episode, but it's like, if you break down my average outfit, I, it could like, if you just describe it in like not too much detail, it would literally sound like it, it, could, it could sound like a J crew, <laughs> like, but like poster, like catalog image or something like that. Yeah. Um, because it's like, Oh, you got a tweed jacket, jeans and like a chambray shirt or something. Yeah. Um, but it's all about the, I don't know. It's about like the curation and the little details and like, like all the all the extra stuff that goes into it that makes yeah. it uh, special at least to me yeah and that's kind of what what matters right like mm-hmm. when if you think it's special it's like it's also like it's, it's like self-curation it's self-expression like how mm-hmm. are you choosing to put all of these tastes together and you know and make it into a cohesive outfit that makes sense for you um and i think that that's a good way to talk about like what actually makes a good outfit because I think the more and more menswear or fashion in general becomes a hobby, a lot of the metrics that we used to think about, like, oh, are you dressed appropriate, like formality kind of goes out the window when you can like make your own context. And with, with our belief of like, you know, making your own occasions, like it doesn't matter if you're overdressed for the coffee shop. Cause you could always say, oh, I'm meeting up with friends later or, or, or I just, or I just wanted to wear this today. So like, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter my uh, context as much anymore what matters is kind of just the execution of the of the idea because to kind of hit at the book here um when you think about like art or like or with music these things kind of exist because of the creator and so like it kind of matters like it doesn't matter like when you're making an art piece not in not, not it's not always that you're making it to be put into a collection right there sometimes the art exists in its own context so it becomes okay the art how can you judge the art as good for its own merit? And then later on you can place it. So it's like for us, the expression matters first and then the context matters like secondary to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but today we're going to be talking more about the expression part of it um, because yeah, we need to, we need, I, I feel like we've needed a metric to kind of judge outfits that acknowledges what we assume as subjectivity um, while still providing parameters for subjectivity. We can't just say like, you know, cause not to be too elitist, but like we don't think we don't believe that everything can go. No, I think I think I don't know. I don't want to say that we've been too nice because I don't think that's true. I think we're yeah. we're, we're generally nice guys. Um, we're the but I think yeah, we don't alive. we don't really talk about <laughs> like good versus bad. I guess like I feel like we maybe like shit on good and evil. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe <laughs> we spend like twenty minutes shitting on like small collars every single episode and i just don't remember <laughs> small collars but, skinny pants <laughs> yeah but low rise yeah we, we never really talk about like i don't know i feel like we don't really talk about the like yeah what makes something good or what makes something bad because i think there is a difference yes and that's where this book comes in so 
Um, this book, it starts off by kind of acknowledging mu- music criticism, where it's it talks about how when, you know when people write about music, they usually you uh, like they 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 ascribe it like expressive features like this music is sad and a lot of people don't like that at at least at the time they're saying like that doesn't count because music can't be sad it can't feel anything and Mm -hmm. the purpose of the book was to kind of build up a reason for why this expression or expressiveness because maybe it's not it's it's not that it's sad it is expressive of sadness Mm -hmm. um why that is a valid point of criticism and why it is also a good making feature of music and when i was reading that i was like this kind of makes sense. Like, I'm like, you know, like why, why, when we say, oh yeah, that looks slouchy. Like, we don't really say, oh, that's a, like, we do say it's a good outfit, but we're like, we're like, oh yeah, we look slouchy today. Right. Or whatever. This looks like trad. And like, why is that make it good to us? You know, like, why do these qualifiers make sense? And so the, the biggest part of the book is that it's about being expressive of something like the, everything in the world has some kind of expressiveness. We can, it's either doing it directly or we can feel it from by, by seeing it. And one of the biggest examples is like this St. Bernard's face. Like it looks sad, but like, why does it look sad? And so that brings us to two theories, uh, which is kind of what kind of go hand in hand, which is like contour versus convention. Contour is how, how its expression is similar to other things. So like a, a Bernard's face look sad because it looks like a face that a human makes when they are sad. And so because of the similar literal contour of the face, we go, okay, that, that, that kind of yeah. makes it. So we, we get something Just from it. Pattern recognition. Yeah, exactly. And then convention is more so like, okay, it's aligned with things just because like over time contour does become convention. Like we, we go, okay, well, if we see like, it's just, a frowning face is you're sad. Like that, it is what it is. Yeah. You know. Well, because this is this makes me think of the part in the uh, fucking W. David Marks book that we just did a couple uh, a couple months ago, uh, where he talks about how um, it like in a lot of Western cultures, like when 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 songs are written in like the minor key, it's like oh, this is like sad and somber. But then there are other other cultures where that is not the case where there's a cultural understanding that songs in the minor key are like happy or like, like celebrative and stuff like that. So I, um, not necessarily bringing that up to refute it, but it is just kind of interesting how these, like how, how these kind of like innate f- features could just be entirely like cultural. Like that, what we think of is like, Oh, this just makes something like, you know, this, this, it makes something sad. Um, it's just like a cultural understanding of that. No, yeah, the, actually, the book does go into that, mm. um, and so it does bring up, like, you know, like why, like, why is it that Western culture? It's it's because Western music is built on minor and major modes of writing, mm-hmm. and there are there are different modes in different cultures where it can sound minor, which is you know, if you if you were to, you know, with theory to notate it, but I think the feature of of other cultures' music is that it relies on different stuff, and in, in particular, mm. there is. Um, like it's oh, I forgot it's it's like not micromodal it's like a it's like a different micromodal fabric. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. That's, that's the wrong thing I'm thinking. Of. <laughs> if I look up minor, where the hell is this? I didn't even type the word minor. It's like a thing where like just because like they're, they're written in a different mode, like mm-hmm. they just 
it just means something different. And their ears are attuned to it. So it's like, if we played them one of our songs, they wouldn't feel the same emotions that yeah. we do. And, and vice versa. And there is something here that we'll get into later about competency in music, which I feel like will be definitely applied with, with fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, so the, yeah, the book kind of just talks about like, kind of likening, um, and figuring out why expression is important and how it comes about. Cause it's like, there's different other theories of like, does it, is it, is it because these things remind you of something else, you know? Um, does it, does it stir that up when you, is it, is it like when you hear music is music, you know, talking about metaphysics here, like, is it like physically playing the chords mm-hmm. in your brain that make you feel this way? Just like, is it pressing the right, like, I guess nodes in your brain to be like, okay, this, when you yeah. hear this combination, does it make you feel this way? And, and I think, ma- and, yeah. Well, so I, I think, yeah, going into like this, this is why, um, one of the reasons why I think it's so important, even if you're not just going to wear like vintage clothing or vintage styles, I think it's a, a really good. It's really important to have just a knowledge of like fashion history and progression and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just so you can get better at expressing these different qualities and like more, I don't know, it, like more specific subtle ways. ways. Yeah, more yeah, specific yeah, yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, and, and the thing is, is that it all depends on like, I don't want to say education, but like whether or not you have the references to do it, right? Like, I think that with, with some music, right, you can say like this music sounds angry, but people express anger in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it depends on like what you, what, what images come up, you know? And it, it, it is kind of hard to think about that because everyone has again different images that 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 arise so it's hard mm-hmm. to kind of provide parameters on that um because he says here like emotions are always directed at something we don't you don't just feel it you feel it mm-hmm. directed towards something and so um yeah the book goes into a lot of the stuff I, I, honestly it, it's really good but it is pretty dense and it is very like <laughs> philosophical where like he just has like long questions that he's like then he like answers it and I'm like, damn, I feel like I've lost a little bit here. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here about like, you know, how music will literally have like choreography or there's a physiognomy of it where like, there's like a physical characteristic of like, like when, when things are like jaunty, like when you feel Mm -hmm. happy, you feel like you want to bounce around and then there's music that literally does that. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, there's something like, okay, like that's why it's good because it can, be expressive of those emotions. And I'm, I, you know, and they, we'll talk about later about how, yeah. how clothing might be able to also do that. Um, and uh, he says here that there's no right way to listen to music, but we just, we are describing on how we listen to it. And um, it's, it, there's something there also, about where uh, when we talk about how things are expressive of something um, and how it's present all over, over everything, it's like how a kid can hold a stick and a cloth and it can be a doll to them. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it can, you can add on more items to make it more humanistic, but like for the purposes of, of like a baby, like it, to them, it is a human, you know what I mean? So like there yeah. is, there are these things that, that people, that humans can recognize, you know, same thing with sounds for like, why does, why does a bird sound like a, like a flute, right? Like it just, it just is, you know, like we, we, we were able to kind of, I get this. And so his point here is that if the um if the criteria of human expression is public and and generally well known it's it's it, we can consider it objective and slightly immune from philosophical skepticism so the criteria of expressiveness within music should also be in the same way where if things are just kind of conventional to that sense um and he doesn't think that it's it's a it's like a 
fallacy to, to assume that. And I kind of agree. We're like to a general person, you know, like you could like, like if you're to bring this to, to, to fashion a little bit, like if a, if a collar is buttoned all the way up, it would look stiff. Like mm-hmm. it just, it like, I don't, I don't have to explain to you that like, Oh, it's reminiscent of like military uniforms. Like it just physically you're, you're covering up and you know what I mean? Like it, it's there. Um, but yeah, so we have, yeah, contour and convention. These are like the two main, um, theories of, of how music is expressive that kind of ring through. Um, and it's what is expressive is just, it has to example. It, it, it's, it's the fact that music resembles other expressive behavior and is heard as expressive of something. And it's, it's natural. It's, it's both natural and conventional. Um, and one of the things that I really liked is your failure to read the expressiveness of something doesn't mean that things aren't expressive. Mm-hmm. It might just mean that you are not equipped to understand that reference. You're too and damn stupid. You're, you're not competent yet. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I, I think... Well, yeah, sorry, finish your thought. Uh, yeah, I was going to say here, like, uh, he says here, we might be failing to read the very musical conventions that make it possible to hear the sounds as music in the first place. And here he's referring to, like, you know, saying that, like, you know, like, native music or other culture music is, like, not the same as Western music and and uh, it, it lacks expressiveness. It just means that you just don't hear it. And if you if you've grown up with that training, you would be able to hear like all of like the mic, all of like the chromatic stuff, all the in between notes that happen a lot with with all the cultural music. Because like you know, there's like uh like semitones, like individual like tones in between tones, yeah, uh, in between notes. And so like if you're not trained to hear that, you might not be hearing the nuance. And so, just like we can't we can't just say that expressiveness doesn't exist because we we can't hear it. Like, um. You can't. He- you might not be able to pick apart all of the individual uh-huh. notes in a string section. You might be like, okay, that one's doing the harmony here or whatever, but you can still read. You can still read it. Like no, that. I mean, I, so. I think that's yeah, and I think that's the. I mean, obviously, since we're relating this to fashion, we agree uh, on this. But I think that could be yeah, that could be said for, uh, like most. Uh, like arts I, I i well not even like just arts i'm sure it can be it can be done for like it, it's like it's the the more you know the better you are at recognizing like quality of something like i know i could say this for clothes obviously it's like a couple of years ago it's probably recorded on the podcast i'm like i don't care you know how things are made i just care about how it looks but now it's more kind of like the opposite i guess where it's like i don't like um e- even if something looks really cool if it's like if it's shitty and it's going to fall apart, I don't want it. Um, and I mean, I know it's been the same thing for me with like, as, as I've uh, gotten more, as I've like written more, I'm like better at recognizing like what good writing is. Uh, same thing with movies. And like, you know, as I, as I, as I, whatever I learn more about, like, it's just easy to, it's just easier to say, like to see <laughs> what's good and what's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's first off on that one. It, it is kind of hard when you have our taste, and then things are also bad. Like it, it's it's difficult to find something that looks really good and it's also bad. Mm-hmm. I will say, excuse me, take a shot. Um, that when it comes to like the mill separate repro, maybe you do fall into that yeah, issue exactly. a lot. You know, where like mm-hmm. it's like a really cheap repro, but with tailoring, mm-hmm. kind of hard to make it shitty and also pass the Ethan test of looking good. Yeah, because that's the thing is like it for in order for it to be to look like look right it has to be constructed right and you can't yeah. really fake that yeah. yeah um 
but I think that also the thing about competency about like you have to be able to hear all these subtle stuff. I think it's also like if you're just aware of other fashion subcultures or like what they're tr- what a designer is trying to do. I feel like that mm-hmm. also leads to more to more expression versus like a very narrow minded view. Well, because I um, think that yeah. yeah, the more you know like about how something like if you if you know about how music is made or if you know about how uh, like a, a clo- like a clothing company makes like a collection or if you know about how like a movie is made it's easier to like get in the mind of the the artist or whoever created it and like i i i feel like a lot of times people have this instinct to assume that they are like smarter than the people who made something yeah (laughs) um when they just don't really know much about it um and again it's it's what's the it's like what's the thing that people always talk about on reddit where uh the the less you know about something the more you think you know about something i i've heard of that forgot what that is yeah uh, well, it's like some paradox or whatever it's, oh, like the it's it's like the bell curve or whatever it's something i think it, there's a b in there <laughs> there's a b, <laughs> there's a b. <laughs> um yeah it's it's pretty scary but uh yeah stop being a dumbass is what i'm saying yeah <laughs> um so so moving on um he also talks about the importance of lyrics mm-hmm. and uh, and he knows that not all music has lyrics there's a philosopher who i think says that music is formless without lyrics which i definitely disagree with um but it's uh <laughs> yeah this particular one that he's citing says that pure instrumental music is an expressive surd an unconsummated symbol and i'm like damn like that's, that's a pretty lame. strong that's a pretty strong way of thinking about it yeah um but he says that, like, yeah, sometimes, uh, like, yeah, music is is formless. Um, it's a protean expressive clay in which I think, and I think text can imprint properties on it. And I think there's something there about, like, adding extra features to an outfit that, that, that help it. You know, like, I think, like, s- things naturally have some form of expression, but things are can be more bland than others and lead themselves to be expanded upon. Mm-hmm. Um, he does talk about, which we'll, we'll, I'll definitely get into with fashion, about distinctions, where... Can music be melancholy or sad, or is it just not joyous? And like, and he thinks like you know, like these distinctions are rough and not and they're not non-existent. Um, but it makes no. He thinks that it makes no sense to make these distinctions because mm-hmm. he thinks that it's just a it's an ideological like trap just to get yeah. caught up in semantics. <laughs> um, and so yeah, text can help it contribute to the expressiveness of the work. Um, which can literally explain things. But then sometimes then if the text changes the meaning of the song, but the music doesn't change, which are you really hearing? Like, like, you know how like you can have like a chorus uh, or uh, a, uh, the second stanza of a song and it can be sad, but the music isn't sad because mm-hmm. it's the same music the whole time. It's like, Oh, what, how do you describe that music now? You know, or do you have to separate the lyrics from the thing? So it's like, it's, you have to consider the whole work altogether. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so and the last part is just kind of about beauty of it all, where which is probably kind of closer to like the good making quality, where as a whole it is an artwork and um, expressiveness is the beauty of it. It is not necessarily that the it, it is not necessarily that the piece of work is sad or that the composer is sad. It's that the the skill is in how the composer expresses that to you through the music yeah because like you can't you can't say that the yeah, the music itself is sad because like we said 
the music has no like it's not a human that there's no you can't feel anything but the composer you also don't know what the composer was feeling when he was writing it he could have been in a great mood writing writing this like this like funeral march you have no idea yeah. well you know, outside the, the, i yeah. i could be i'm pulling this out of my ass so i could be completely wrong <laughs> but isn't the like funeral march isn't that from like something or no am i thinking about here comes the bride I don't know. I know that there's some like funeral dirge that comes from like some opera where the context of the scene is like not a funeral or something. Yeah, I forgot what that is. I mean, here comes the bride. I think that's like it's like from someone wrote it for like a Shakespeare staging, which is why mm. it's like it's like from Romeo and Juliet. Is it? It's not Tchaikovsky. I forgot who it is. I'm probably now. I'm, now I'm looking stupid to all the listeners out there. Um, but but yeah. Um. It says music is the paradigm of aesthetic art. It provides possesses structural qualities, um, and describing music in emotive terms is to attribute properties to it. Um, most stuff about music, again, leading it to fashion, is about its appropriateness or its context. And so, um, we can be concerned about sadness about the music if it is in a sad symphony or a sad opera. You know. But in general, emotiveness, expressive expressiveness is usually a praise. Like we 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 uphold this as a good making feature. Like the fact that it, that it can express something is what makes music a a viable art. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last part is about ascribing uh, what Cercello, a different uh, a different philosopher, says about properties of qualitative degree, where the property in question should be able to be possessed to a greater or lesser degree. So it's got to be like a spectrum. And it has to be about beauty or non-beauty. And so, like, squareness can't be a PQD because there's no degree of squareness. It is either a square or it's not. So it's, like, kind of like where formality to me doesn't really mean anything because it's, like, you're either formal or you're not formal. I guess, no, technically, there are there are spectrums to formality, so maybe that's, that's not right. Well, but what, I mean, I guess if we're talking about, like, cultural expression, like, if everyone, even though we know that it's, like, um, like, clothing can't, re- like, it do- it has, it, it, like, in a vacuum, if we went to, like, a, if we went to, like, a, like, a, a culture of space aliens or something, or yeah. evil robots, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and which we, is better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we had, we had like, we had like a dude in like a hoodie and a dude in like a button up and tie. They wouldn't necessarily be able to like immediately recognize like the difference between the two clothing or something like that, or like not, not, uh, like the difference in formality, but obviously everyone around here reads like wearing ties is very dressed up so yeah it's a cultural yeah yeah so even if we don't think um that it's formal because everyone else recognizes that as as formal do you think that makes a difference (sighs) we'll get into that we'll get into the competency of the of the viewer uh later on here uh but yeah the pqd thing here an example is petrified wood it can be beautiful in terms of smoothness because it can possess that to a high degree it is or you can say it can, can't be completely beautiful because the color or pattern might be inferior. But you can't be you can't use porousness because porousness is a inherent defect of wood. And so expressive properties can be considered a PQD, like the to the amount of how expressive it can be can be used as a qualifier of beauty. And then we can also use that for for multiple things, like how much of it is 
is expressive of ivy or expressive of whatever, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not the property that is beautiful, but the way the artist handles it, which I said earlier, like anger can be beautifully portrayed. Like, like, ang- like the emotion is beautiful because of the inherent skill that the composer has in doing it, you know? So like slouch is not, it's, it's not sloppy. It's, it's slouch because of the way you're being sloppy or whatever. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, so basically at the end of it, he just upholds the idea that contour and convention are ways that music can be expressive and that this is what makes it good, which is why you have like an outdoor quality of the horn. You have like mm. a peasant quality of the oboe. You have a martial, like a militaristic feel of the trumpet. And these are express- these are exp- uh, expressive in both uh, contour because it sounds like that thing. And also conventional because it plays into the culture that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to emote over music is to hear what one's musical culture conditions one to hear. This is what you were saying, Spencer. Um, the emotive color of, of, of music is as, mu- is as much a part of the aesthetic surface of the sound. Um, and you can't deny this. You can't deny this because can't to deny say, it. yeah, because to declare this a pejorative or to be a negative in, in a, in a, in a in a musical criticism environment would be to ex- express zeal in the complete option in the exact opposite of it to deny the existence of a very real and um, tangible in terms of like hearing it and, 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 and engaging with it um, to deny this pal- palpable quality within music. Um, and so even if you can't answer expressive questions completely, it doesn't mean that the answers can't be satisfactory because to 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 argue against an asshole, he he didn't say that word, but I am. Like, what would word. he? What would what be would a complete? What would be a complete answer? Like, what does a complete answer sound like? We and the thing is, with this kind of stuff, we just don't know. He says these are philosophical scare tactics in lieu of a real argument. Hmm. And so, lastly, here about competency, he says, what would what would happen if someone insisted that blues is not sad at all and and is instead hmm. cheery? And he says, that's not a matter of taste. It's not a matter of whether you like blues or not. This is a matter of questioning the person's musical competence. <laughs> you have to be, and you, first off, you have to be a member of the musical culture in which the blues flourishes in order to hear, in order to hear the nuances of blues. And you must be adequately prepared to hear music and not just sound, which I love that quote. You have to take it as fashion and not just clothes. Yeah. Um, and so any attempt to understand how we hear expressiveness in music must assume that the listener is actually trying to understand and is a musically competent person. It must be granted from the start. It is impossible to make imagine musical competence in the absence of the ability to make basic emotive distinctions in music. So that, that's this is basically just good taste, right? It's like people... I mean, he's saying... Yeah. Well, you, I think it's like... Maybe it's like knowledge versus taste, right? You have to have the reference... I mean, I guess... I don't know. That's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Like, if you haven't come to hear the sadness of the blues, it is hard to imagine that you are a competent listener. And as a result, you could also show him the resemblance of the blues to expressive features of human beings, right? Like sad, anger, whatever. And if he can't hear that, then maybe he's just not, he just can't read human beings and therefore is not a good source for this. You know what this is making me think of? And you're yeah. gonna love this, Ethan. It's the yeah. it's a scene with Robert California and Andy, where I, I think it's like Andy's like, what, "Who's your favorite Iron Chef?" And then Robert California is like, it, "It's not about the chef. It's about the ingredients." I feel like you don't understand food at all 
Like <laughs> that's really good. I just I saw that clip like on, on like on like a sc- scrolling by on Instagram. I'm like, you know yeah. what? That's pretty good. Robert California is a funny character. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, I love that guy. We're favorite. gonna be a, this is gonna be an office fan cast. Gonna it's get, eventually Jenna, we're gonna Jenna get Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. Hell yeah, dude! On we're gonna be a big podcasting family. Yeah. Um. So to to uh, anyway, one cannot be given relevant <laughs> musical abilities. Just to fail in one place and succeed somewhere else. To fail to read musical expressiveness is to fail to read expressiveness in general. Mm. <laughs> and I love yeah. that. And so, again, the whole the idea is that expressiveness is a valid point of criticism and a metric for good music. And basically, music criticism does not need to be inhuman to be respectable. Mm-hmm. And mu- a of description must be made respectable in the eyes of the learned so that it can, be, it can stand alongside technical description of music as a valid analytic tool. Um, if criteria of music expressiveness can be identified with those similar to human expression, then these express th- these criteria can provide a rational foundation for the emotive criticism of music. And I know we're, we're already like 45 minutes in, but like reading this was like the craziest thing for me. I was like, holy shit, this is so good. I, I'm sure and this was written in like the eight or the seventies or released in like the eight, 1980. So written in the seventies, uh, published in the eighties. And it's like, I'm sure now there's been plenty of musical discourse where this stuff is pretty common. I think it's, it's easy for us to think like, Oh wow. That, 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 you know, and, I'm sure even before this book, people were like, oh, it sounds so sad. And people were like, well, that's good, right? So being able to kind of like canonize this was was so good. And I'm thinking we don't have to come up with an essay. I mean, I guess I will, but like a theory of like fashion expression or menswear expression. But I think maybe we could using like contour and convention. Yeah. Um, because if we're applying this, I think that every outfit, and we've said this before, every outfit is expressive of something. Mm-hmm. Like you are expressing, uh, again, we're we're using expression instead of expressive. We're not being fucking semantic people here. Obviously, the obviously the clothes do not have emotions; they cannot express it. And so the the correct term would be expressive. We're just, we're, we're just, well, this shirt is shorthand. Is shorthanded, yeah. But you know, it is every you know, all clothes will say something about you or about the look itself. Maybe 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 it's a leap to say about you, but there you are you are wearing it, so there's a little bit there. Um, it's not saying that. Like this, like that. Every funeral march is the same amount of sad. Like not everything is melancholy, or everything is this. Like it's not saying like you know, for example, not every journalist dresses like Spencer, mm-hmm. but it is about saying that there is kind of a similarity. There's a physiognomy of it that kind of makes sense that you can invoke when making an outfit. Well, yeah, because I mean, I think yeah, like even if someone does not care about how they look at all and are just wearing like t-shirts they got from like business conventions that they went to and like, you know, uh, like cargo shorts um, that even though they probably were not thinking of like, how am I expressing myself today when I'm getting dressed? It does express something about them. It's not a good or bad quality, but it expresses something that, you know, they just don't care about clothes, I guess. Yeah. 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 You know, like this whole thing, um, what this, what this kind of talks about is, whether or not you have the the references to pull from, because it's like I, I could see how a detractor of this would say, well, if you didn't, if you weren't around a bunch of guys with suits, you probably wouldn't recognize this guy is dressed down, right? Like uh-huh. the guy in the cargo shorts, right? Um, but it's kind of like with with music, where like if all you heard was minor mode music and you never heard major, maybe yeah, minor mode music would sound happy to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to create distinctions for the sake of defining expression, 
you need to be aware of alternate modes of expression. Yeah. And this kind of reminds me of of um of like with with Marx where he's talking about like we need people to see like different types of status or whatever. Like we need to educate people on like this like al- alternate modes and and everything that that's the only way people can can see what the path forward is. Like well, it, it's I, not, I, it doesn't have to be just one way. I was thinking not necessarily like political philosophy, but you know, I, I'm an expert here because I've taken one semester of a aesthetic philosophy class that I didn't a hundred percent pay attention in. But um, I know we talked about this like a tiny bit in our episode about taste and aesthetics, but um, I, I think it was, I think it was Kant um, that wrote uh, like a long essay on, on aesthetic taste um, that we cited at least a little bit um yeah in, in the essay and it, i mean it talks about a lot about the same points it's like it's just it, it, it's it, it was it's just that you need to have an education and you need to have background knowledge to to really have an understanding of the thing that you're judging and to really develop taste yeah um and uh yeah i don't know i i like i said i think there's um i think there there's a lot to be said to uh, having that like historical context so you can can you can know uh, like what you're expressing like how you want to like how you want to express it all that stuff um, but yeah yeah that that makes sense I it's you just need yeah with any kind of art it only exists when you have a multitude of of references and education for it like not mm-hmm. not in an elitist way but like just because it it's always in conversation with something. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's the same thing. It's the same thing with outfits. Where you know, in a world now where there's so many of it, there's so much niche subcultures and different design and, and, and micro genres and and whatever. Like you need to be able to differentiate. You you know to to to, to you know when you get into the nuances of emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's up to you as the dresser to express that nuance with the tools that you have. And that's and like they said, like about like how anger can be handled beautifully by the composer. It is up to the composer, you for the outfits to express the specific emotions that you have. And then of course it's also, it can be judged by the people watching it, but like you still, you still need to yeah. be competent with um, it, within that. Going, going back to some of the criticism on the book, I know that you shared a link that's yeah, yeah kind yeah. of a, a, a summary of the, the text, but also kind of a criticism or like a review. Um, one of the criticisms that I thought was interesting uh, was he, he talks about how, uh, of course, music can have expressive qualities, um, but the the person writing this uh, is kind of arguing that it doesn't really matter why, like the the reason for these expressive qualities is not does not really matter. He says it's like uh, expression is a unitary or vaguely unitary phenomenon. The meaning of music is sad does not change depending on the cause. My saying it is raining might be caused by my seeing puddles or it might be caused by raindrops falling my face, but the meaning of it is raining does not change between those two instances. Um, I don't know. Can we apply that at all to fashion? <laughs> like, I know we, th- I don't want this to be just like a music podcast, but yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I, I mean, did think that I thought that point was interesting when I read it last night. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, 
what would that be with like i mean like yeah like the presence of a tie doesn't inherently make it formal like or like again or it's like i think maybe you could also say the opposite where it's like the the presence of three patch pockets on a sport coat doesn't make it casual in the eyes of like most people you know that's true yeah yeah yeah. Or, or even just like or even like like this is kind of what all just's point with like slouch was right we're like just because just because I can can feel like I'm casual and put my hands in my pockets doesn't mean that someone else might still be like that guy looks like an asshole at the bar uh-huh. you know even though I know I'm not and my friends know I'm not and the bartenders know me that doesn't stop a random person from doing that but that's kind of like what happens right with any kind of art where like you and the book doesn't go into that which is like when you put it out there like you 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 are still opening yourself up mm-hmm. to people who are uneducated however my my argument back to alders and i guess to this is like you don't just make a statement like that like i know it's like maybe it's like an maybe it's like a philosophically sound or ideologically sound argument to be like oh yeah it's raining and you could say it because of any of this other evidence but that doesn't that's not where truth stops right truth can be built upon so like if you keep walking and there is no rain falling from the sky, then you would then know it's not raining. Yeah. Like, it, like the more information you have uh, will negate or uphold the initial um, criticism or the initial statement, the thesis statement that you're trying to make here. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess we could also use as a defense anytime someone criticizes their outfits is like, well, you're clearly uh, too uneducated to know what I'm going for when what things I'm expressing here. Like if you knew more, you just, you just wouldn't get it. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't get it. I'm like the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, that's kind of what it is, right? We, we do talk about how fashion competence is important. That's, that's why, that's why cores and like starter packs or like generalizations uniforms are so important. Like I don't, reducing things down to that kind of a thing is what helps people understand the nuances of fashion and expression. Like, I don't think that that's, and a lot of people hate it. Cause I think, I think I get it, people hate it because it's like the internet, mm-hmm. but I also think that you, like, you can't just say Western music. Like, what does that mean? Like, are we talking like rock and roll? Are we talking like, you know, orchestra music that was made by American composers? Like you, you do need genres yeah. and each of these things have, a sound quality to them right like pop pop music today has like four chords right and and now pop music has kind of like an r&b feel to it versus like 2000s pop music which had more of like an alt rock feel to pop music back in the you know back in those days and then we have like you know like dad like what makes dad rock different than surf rock and i'm mm-hmm. sure to a regular person maybe not but like to an enthusiast or to someone who is an actual participant in those subcultures you would be able to know yeah. and so again it's it's all about kind of just educating people and i, I definitely think we're going to get there mm-hmm. um not, not not to make this like a, a forecasting thing but i think the more the more that this stuff happens the more we'll be able to have these conversations yeah. but and that's mm-hmm. why it's important to use expressiveness as a metric for what makes a good outfit yeah and i think bringing it back to music as a certified jazz hound um as a a real j-head i can definitely say that um that's true and that's why i was so offended by that guy who said that um music without lyrics is like incomplete or is formless or anything like that um because listen, I love, I love a lot of instrumental jazz and I love uh, how, yeah, it's able to express things and emotions and feelings without words. I think that's really cool. And I think in a lot of ways, that's uh, way more impressive than just writing a song with like lyrics about being sad and then being like, yeah, it's sad. 
Yeah, I think I mean if if uh, if you're reading the guy reading starts to say like oh like well how do you know like it's it's the music and not just the images in your head that come up with emotion you know it's not mm-hmm. the music itself but uh, but yeah no I I definitely agree I, I think that you know as someone who likes not jazz but uh, I mean I do like jazz mm-hmm. uh, but orchestra music in general where like there's literally nothing there there's no there's no text I think it definitely um, applies um, where you know expression. You don't need all. You don't need lyric. You don't need to be told explicitly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, bring it to bring it to menswear. I think with the contour and convention thing, I think that certain outfits it's good when you use contour. For example, I write here like slouchy outfits feel. Okay, I put sad. Maybe the idea is relaxed because when you are relaxed, your shoulders are sunken. Mm-hmm. You know, you're 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 laying down, and and a slouchy suit or slouchy outfit, baggy clothes, whatever can be expressive of that versus a powerful look with structure like structure looks powerful because it's built up it's rigid you have that that can also be a look and so like if these thing if these expressive qualities are what you are aiming for then it should be a metric it should be it should be considered in how and how good your outfit is if that's if that's the goal here um because again all all outfits all clothing can be expressive um, and with convention, I think we can obviously there with like how it aligns with like formality levels, how it aligns with cultural stuff or context, or even like this, this evokes like military, military clothing, um, this is, or this is what you would wear in the military. This is what you would wear to a job thing because of, of, of social convention. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately it, it really is just all about how effective you are about communicating this personality or your goals. Um, and I mean, I'm curious, like, what do you, like, MJ, I know we, we, we just had our, our episodes with both of you guys, but, like, how do you guys think, like, for expressive qualities, what do you, what do you try and do? Like, what, um, what do you like to, what, what, what do you like to express, and then how do you express it? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we have here in notes, and we, we said it before, how, like, um, expressing like our interests through our clothes and stuff like that is something that we sometimes take into account um but i also kind of think that having i don't know that kind of uh ambiguity for your for like your your uh expressiveness is kind of fun uh what i mean is like you know um like being a guy that's not just outright saying i'm into this nerdy stuff but like <laughs> kind of kind of like yeah, a nuanced tea. way yeah yeah but then it's like but then it's like you know oh this guy's also into um that stuff and dresses like a different way it's kind of uh it's kind of a fun thing yeah it, i mean it's like you, you know it's easy to say this music is sad when the lyric of the music is "I'm so sad, baby." Like you yeah. know, I think I mean you 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 can do that. There's a, I guess I guess see my thing is there's nothing wrong with doing that. Like this is where I'm like kind of like a a hedge on the whole. There's no bad outfit, you know. If you you know if you're really being, but I think there is more skill when you're able to communicate that with alternative methods. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like you know. Uh... <laughs> It's the the onion there's layers you know um, yeah glass and, onion yeah, yeah. And, and being able to express like multiple parts of whether that's like your interests or personality or like uh whatever is is good or interesting um you could say that about music too right like 
no piece of music is just like oh that is or maybe maybe some is but it's like that is just a guitar (laughs) you know like yeah you can listen to a song that's just a guitar but most of the time it's like there's there's band yeah it's a band it's a it's an ensemble i I mean i listen to a lot of solo piano i feel like right hey don't don't knock my rachmaninoff piano stuff come on absolutely i'm not i know i know know, but even but even uh, taking that piano thing right there's there's you're not just listening just to the just to the melody hand right Mm -hmm. it's oh yeah it's it's a whole there's there's, a lot there's multiple parts it's not just like a single note being played yeah you're not just you're not just (laughs) it's not just one thing over and over again yeah uh what if i just listen to a lot of like beginning piano recitals of people playing like hot cross buns and like uh, chopsticks or whatever <laughs> those suzuki i don't know if you i don't know if you know but like there's a suzuki piano book that's like like for beginners it's just yeah. like one two and three and like you do it that way yeah. so that's all i um, listen to <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no uh what about what about you spencer like how, what about like i mean how, or what moves you guys think are the, are the most what what expressive moves can people do within menswear i think um i don't know i feel like the, like I, I i talked about how in my episode i like having uh i i i yeah i agree with mj where i think it's sometimes fun to like subvert things um and it, it, it's fun when it's like it's there's things where it's like uh we've talked about this the huge phenomenon of classic menswear guys who are like metalheads or punk rockers and shit like that mm-hmm. um but i mean like we said my taste i think is very predictable uh based on like how i look um and i don't i i don't necessarily at least in, i kind of like that about uh, uh my style i guess i like I, I said i like how there's a whole like unified um aesthetic and like artistic <laughs> world i guess um but i don't know i think as i keep saying i think a lot of the ways that i express things comes from uh, like nods to yeah vintage clothing or like historical references and stuff like that um like it's yeah it's um i've been trying to like especially in the last couple years i mean i have like mostly the same wardrobe and stuff but i have been trying to stop I've been trying to figure out like, okay, what's like a good like base outfit for Spencer. Like I, I like, I don't like looking radically different, like every single day because I like kind of having, you know, uh, uh, like, a, a, a like a, something to ground myself, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. I like having like a base expression <laughs> that kind of ties everything together. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like you're having no expression. Right. Mm-hmm. But I guess, and I, I I initially wrote that the worst outfits for me are outfits that are not expressive, um, but maybe that's not true. I think maybe it's just like it's just basic expression. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you get down to it, I think that a cohesive expression is different than just base expression. Yeah, cohesive um, is, be- is a better word. Yeah, and I think that's because you know obviously when it comes down to it, like like with with the with the music aspect, right? Like it's there there. It, it, it can be said that music is not just that it can be melancholic and melancholic has its own connotations that make it different than just general sadness mm-hmm. and i think that with a good outfit uh for me it's like it can make you feel a bunch of different things or it can express a bunch of different moods and, and genres and everything and that's what makes a good outfit a good outfit um and while it can be said that you know that the competency is um is hard if, if someone is not competent to read those things you know, I, I feel like not every 
not every listener of a symphony will be able to hear all the nuances that they're doing, but they can still feel something from it. And mm-hmm. I think that at some points, you know, you do stuff. I think we all dress for the basic idea of not being naked, but I still think we also like to do some <laughs> nods that are for us and for other enthusiasts to kind of recognize. Maybe not yeah. necessarily for them, but there are definitely stuff in their throne that can help out. Like I can still be slouchy, but then someone can go like, oh, but swelled edges, you know, like there's something there to yeah. that where like it doesn't it's it's a small piece that contributes to the whole thing, but it's not the whole thing in itself. It's doesn't mm-hmm. it's not just like an isolated thing. Um yeah. and I mean, yeah, ultimately, right? Like, this is why people just need to recognize this stuff. People need to know, like, like it, it would be nice if everyone who saw the outfit was able to be like, okay, well, that's that guy's doing, like, you're doing Ivy, or you're doing this. Like, that way it's not just one base level thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to get there, but I feel like we will just because of the amount of fashion enthusiasts that we have. Like, I remember, like, like when... um coastal grandma an old money became a thing to kind of like put ivy or i guess maybe i guess that's kind of different ivy but like elements of ivy and prep into like the limelight like okay like what elements can you do and then like when i'm watching on tiktok where guys like oh yeah i'm going i'm I'm, i want to be punk so i'm like wearing the like doc martens but also i want to have a little bit of coastal grandma so they wear like a cable knit sweater with like a shirt underneath i'm like okay like they're expressing multiple things in this outfit so i feel like we are um gonna get there yeah because i mean it's yeah it's i i sometimes i i see people online say that it's like talking about how it's like oh wow people you know love putting all these like fashion things into boxes now with all these like tiny subcultures and micro genres or whatever um but i feel like if if you read through like you know old apparel arts ads like you know you'll see there's there's a lot of the same things where it's like yeah this exactly. is like this is like you know coastal resort wear or this is what you wear to go golfing in like fucking scotland and all this stuff and obviously it's it's different because yeah. now this is uh i think what what's different now is all these different styles can be kind of worn divorced of context but um it, it, it's it's yeah it's just the same thing it's just much less tied to time place and occasion <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i mean Fashion competence isn't just people need to know that like you know if you're not you don't have to go to fashion school to know this stuff. I think I think everyone has a very basic sense of of like what looks make sense for certain things, mm-hmm. and I think that the more you build on that, the more the more multidisciplinary aware you are of like different genres and you know appreciation, a cognizance of multiple styles, it definitely helps further this communication because I think that taste only builds, right? I think taste always develops and it you have taste which is a curation if we go back to my episode based on picking things out of multitudes right and you know being being aware of those multitudes mm-hmm. um and so expression is just about making that educated choice and invoking those things um that's why we have to talk about culture because if we're going to shape the culture of it we need to <laughs> we need to address it right yeah um but yeah i i think that it's it's not just about expressing fun or formality but like subtle things like yeah you said like appreciating history um mm. and and everything i definitely like the apparel arts example though because it's like that is what we do we just have different versions of it nowadays or that that we do it you know we have this is oh yeah this is the errand look you know when you're this is the look when you're going to the store but you're still trad i think i think like the base like, like the base level is like classic menswear then you have like these things um that uh 
that help guide you to, to toward um toward those expressions mm-hmm. um uh, yeah, I, I mean, to, to sum up, I guess, right? Like, I think the accuracy of your expression is, is what matters. Like, I think it's, and it, it's good to be introspective because it's like, when, when you evaluate music, it's like, when, I, when I'm writing music, and I don't do this very often anymore, um, but like, I'm always like, am I feeling what I want to feel? Am I hearing the, am I hearing the contour? Am I, and am I hearing the convention? With like a love theme, am I, does it sound like love to me? And does it sound like other love songs? Like, the, those are two different things. And it's like, I want to be able to do that. And I think with with clothing, it's about being masterful at both of those, and right? So it, like requires, if, uh, it always requires a little bit of stealing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's all referential. I mean, music is is referential. Um, and so like, yeah, with, with like with menswear, it's like, okay, if I if I, I, all, I want to look relaxed and I want to look ivy, so like, what can I do to make that happen? You know, like... Um, like point collars are kind of ivy, but like a button down collar is still casual. So like maybe you invoke that, but then you wear it with like a DB for different references, right? You kind mm-hmm. of have to combine all of this other stuff um, to make it to make it good. And that's why at the end of the day, it's like a good outfit is whether or not you are executing that vision. And maybe people just need to say when they post an outfit online is this is what I want to look like. And here is me trying to do it. That way we can talk about it because otherwise we're just debating on our preconceptions we're basing it off of our own our own um cultural competence and some of us may not be aware of those things mm-hmm. um it's hard to imagine that now because i feel like everyone knows it because of the internet <laughs> mm-hmm. but but it's also like um yeah i mean it's hard for someone to like look at something now and be like well that's just bad i feel like there are reasons why um why it is bad. I think we need to, we need to like dive deeper. Um, it's just, it's just like with music where like there's, there's technically bad and then there's like expressively unfavorable. <laughs> and so it's like, like, I think that, you know, wearing, wearing like, there's a difference between like wearing a Ludlow suit, which I think is just designed badly. And then wearing like dunks with a suit. Yeah, <laughs> and I no no shade to the guys out there who are wearing dunks with suits, but I feel like there's something about like the harmony of it or or whatever that just doesn't really work. Unless the expression is you want to look like a guy who plays basketball, but also is happens to be wearing a suit at that same time, then maybe it he, does he's, make he sense. He was thrown onto the court at, right after work, and he's like, "Well, I got my sneakers in my bag." Yeah, right. But, but then even if that's if even that straw man, it's like, well, you can't fault him for that you know and like my definition of what's good or bad doesn't really matter because he that's exactly what he's trying to express so that's why it's like menswear expression is the ultimate form of criticism on an outfit um and that's uh, that's why it's always about like you know critiquing the actual expressions that they're trying to do like you know if 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 you if you if you wrote a piece of music and you said i want this to feel sad but it doesn't sound like that then i think you failed right like that's 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 what it is. So in terms of fashion, it's like if you're trying to express Ivy, but you're wearing a T-shirt, low-rise jeans and Vans, I wouldn't say that that's particularly Ivy, you know, um, it, it might fail at the PQDs, the, the those those qualifier, those properly, those qualitative stuff of what makes Ivy Ivy because it fails those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it fails those those metrics. Versus, like, if, if your thing was, I want to look Ivy casual, and you go, okay, Bretton Stripe T, 501, or, like, some kind of straight leg jean 
with boat shoes or like penelopers, that fulfills more of it there. And therefore it becomes a better outfit because that's what you are trying to express. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, I mean, I, this also goes back to like one of our biggest points about like, if you want to look good, you have to have a very clear idea of what you're trying to do. Um, yeah. And it, it can't just be like that. That's why I, I think it's, it's really hard to go from the mindset of like getting into fashion because it's like, Oh, because like I want a girlfriend or I want a promotion at work and stuff like that. Cause that's not really like what you want to look like. That's like a desired outcome. Um, yes. Yeah. And so I, I, I feel like th- that's, that's the big, that's the biggest thing that's, um, really difficult for guys to get into fashion is because maybe they have like an idea of i just like i want to be stylish or i want to wear cool clothes but again that's not really like a what do you look like kind of thing yeah yeah it's it's the pov is 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 inherently important it's like Mm -hmm. it's like if you to to music the opposite way of like oh i want i want to make music people clap to it's like okay what does that mean like (laughs) like are they clap are they clapping because it's sad are they clapping because it's 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 so impressive to hear someone play it no they're clapping because it's over they only clap at the end yeah Yeah. but it's like you know with with that like you do need to you need to express something and you need to make these choices and I think it's it's so clear. It's so clear in music. It's so clear in art. Why can't people do this with fashion? Mm-hmm. You know, this is why, if anything, I know, again, this is kind of just expanding on what we've talked about before, but this is why expression is so important. And it's not that it's impossible. It's that, that you can recognize that there are, there are things that people can feel or that can think from looking at your outfit. And so that's yeah. about intentionally invoking those things. So, you know, that's why, I mean, the companion to this would be the POV and the cinematic dressing article. about. It's about, like, those are the real qualifiers of what make your outfit good because if that's the goal you set out to do, you just have to do it well and then you you've got it right mm-hmm. like like that the accuracy of the expression does matter. It is not just about the technical like it can't it can't be like oh this looks good because it fits well because I'm like sure but what does it look like like what, is, what like what are you feeling when you see yeah. this. It, you know, at the very least, all of this should be considered together. It can't just be about fit. It can't just be about the cost or the quality. It is about the whole thing is about expression. Mm-hmm. I am the I am the Peter Kivy Kivy whatever the fuck his name is of, of menswear. <laughs> I am this guy. He died in twenty man. He died in twenty seventeen. So that's the year that you were born. <laughs> yeah, you could you could be reincarnated. <laughs> I'm six years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a damn six year old. Um, but on the last part about like one cannot be given musical relevant musical abilities and fail in one place and succeed as elsewhere. It's like yeah, like if someone cannot get what I'm trying to do, then this is my elitist take. It's like they just don't, they just don't get it. Like they just, they just, and it's not for them, right? Like I remember, re- like there's a TikTok. I think I mentioned this in the last one where it's like, like all music is for the listener but the first listener is the player. And so it's like, if you start from that mindset, it's like, like it's gotta be relevant to these things. Mm-hmm. And the the great part about clothing is that when you wear it, it can be for everyone to, to see. Like some people might find it as like a bad sign because that makes you open, ideologically open to any kind of projection. But 
you could just say it's not for them, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not for you. Like, yeah, it sucks that music. Like, like you know, like you you won't you wouldn't expect a guy to go to a rock concert. And be like, I hate rock music. Like, why are you fucking there, dude? Uh-huh. I get. I get that. That's a hard part about fashion where you you can't be immune to those people. But at the very least, you can be <laughs> philosophically superior and say <laughs> that you're just you're just smarter than them. You're intellectually it's, superior. Just, yeah. Just always make the situation that you have the high ground. And you're you gonna can, you're you gonna beat them in a battle of the brains. Uh, MJ kind of said the really good part. It's like, just be in a good scenario. Like, don't don't be stupid. Like, don't 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 like don't walk to like a fucking metal concert with a tuxedo uh, unless you're like Tony Sylvester. <laughs> then you're like mm. you get a free pass. Um, but even then, I feel like Tony Sylvester wouldn't wear that <laughs> to a to a metal show. But yeah, I mean the whole the whole idea here is the kind of um, or that MJ saying about like putting yourself in the right context helps. Um, but also the opposite, create your own context or, or help educate people like we are with expression, why it's super important. Um, and yeah, hopefully you guys found this interesting. I mean, I, I thought the, I think that the book was like really good. I've been really enjoying reading about music and kind of seeing how it, how it applies. Um, because again, yeah. for music for me is a hobby. Like it's not my, it's not my career. It is something I do on the side. And when I'm writing something, I do want it to express certain qualities. And I think that's what makes it good. Like that's what it, like you know in both in both the contour of how it sounds like the or how it ex- literally expresses the emotion and mm-hmm. how it how it relates to the cultural context of convention and I think the same thing with with clothing it's 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 a balance between the two one cannot be more than the other they also don't negate each other and and just because one person can't read it doesn't mean that this theory is false <laughs> it just means that they might not be the right audience for it or they lack that understanding. Yeah. You know, like, again, you don't know that I'm being casual with my loafers, but I do. And this other guy does. So at the very least, it, it's equal. But I, I can still lean on the fact that I know what I'm expressing and that's what makes it important. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess you yeah. could also say it's like, even though people might understand, like you could you could argue that if you look at a loafer, there are visual qualities that make it appear more casual. Like that's, especially, that's, yes, yeah, like it's like <laughs> contour. The fact, yeah, exactly. I guess like the fact that there are no laces. It's like the the kind of like especially if you're talking about like uh like a leisure hand sewn type of thing where it's oh like yeah the stitching of, and the everything. stitching and it's kind of like more rounded and stuff and all that stuff. It's not as sharp. Mm-hmm. yes um, and so even if you are like a, a person who is never worn you know not sneakers <laughs> like theoretically theoretically if you showed them like a really sharp um like oxford or then like a loafer like most of the time they might be able to pick out which one is the more casual shoe well this is and damn it i feel like i was trying to end this but i just we just got to a yeah. totally new eyed thing here this is really important maybe this will be the clip that everyone <laughs> but the express <clears throat> this is what I'm thought, like, there's expression in garments and maybe not it might not be emotion but it has propensity to do it mm-hmm. and the thing that you said about loafers i mean that's why it's like when you like like why a long collar has more expression than a short one because there's more stuff to play with a long collar can still be pressed really sharply and be stiff a long collar can also be super soft and mm-hmm. though like those qualities are expressive of things that mm-hmm. we recognize, you know, um, or like, yeah, a three, like why does like a three roll two look more like casual than like a straight three button? Because like and, the roll and the lapel, like it's folded over. And I mean, you know? if, you, if you read about like um, the new trends in like menswear among guys who are not into classic menswear, like, I, I don't know if I, like I was reading something where some 
like designer or some stylist was talking about how the new thing that all our clients are asking for is suits with like as little detail as possible. <laughs> um, so like no pockets, no, like no, like visible, like pick stitching or swelled edges yeah. and stuff like that. A lot of guys are doing single button jackets or like no button jackets now, like shirts without plackets, you know, like shirts <laughs> with hidden buttons, all this stuff. And so I think like that, that's an effort to look like slick and modern and clean and stuff like that. So, I mean, obviously I think there is, uh, people recognize details like, but like, you know, expressive details, expressive details, yeah. like, like patch pockets or like three roll two, or like the roll of the lapel and stuff like that. I think people do recognize those as things that make something. Uh, like more casual maybe or like not as like fussy and not you know stuff like that so yeah i mean the whole the whole thing about music right like we're like when you feel happy the tune literally leaps right so it's like there's something about like oh when when something is slouchy or, or casual or or you know somber like there are literal design details that you can use to invoke those expressive features mm-hmm. um and again, like we said with PQDs, the more with with these expressive features, these are qualities of these are good making qualities. These are things that you can use to evaluate how good something can be um, with those with those features involved. Um, yeah, there's a lot like like why you know, and it's not because I think most people just think about color, right? Like oh, it's it's happy because you're wearing a lot of color, you know? Like yeah, but you can also be like there's other stuff to it so for some reason i feel like a shawl collar feels happy to me because it's like rounded yeah. like it feels like it's nice and i mean that's like know? it's like you always see people like i mean i just say this because i wear that's my home wear but it's like yeah you see fucking like grandpa or someone like relaxing at home with a shawl collar cardigan um yeah course, yeah i don't yeah. know like you could also say it's like well a lot of hobos stuff like that wore it during the depression um but i don't know (laughs) my grandpa's Uh, a hobo yeah i had a point but i forgot it maybe (laughs) maybe this will be so we don't go on another half hour yeah yeah but but yeah i think you know if people were to think about not just about the genres you're expressing but like as much said at the very end of this the expressive features of the literal details you have in your clothing it 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 feels like you've unlocked something you know Mm, yeah like we're like shoulders cloth um i mean that's kind of what we were describing it's like the difference between like oh when i wear a double-breasted suit i want to evoke this like closed up manner you know versus like a you know a single-breasted or whatever and then of course when you have a double-breasted unbuttoned that has a different look to that expresses something else um and so yeah that's that's such a great point about you know just finding i mean again the whole theme of it is just finding the expression and everything and why that's important and why you should invoke it Mm-hmm. That should be it. That's the ultimate mantra of this episode, and I yeah. hope you like it. Um, if you guys, you know, again, thank you for listening. Uh, if you guys want more, mm. uh, we you know we do this episode every every two weeks, although we take a break every three months. <laughs> and I think we we just ended uh, period one of twenty twenty three with this That's episode. Right. You know, um, you won. <laughs> The first um, and uh, and yeah, if you guys want to support the podcast, uh, we we gladly will accept the five dollars a month that so you can go. They can give us at patreon.com slash style direction. It gives you access to our Discord as well as our bonus episodes, and those bonus episodes come out once a month, regardless. We do those all the time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, five dollars a month, ten dollars a month gives you ac- 
gives you nothing else. <laughs> I mean, it gives you it gives you access to both of those things, but the only extra benefit is we say your name, and there's a really funny name we we get to say this time because I think I added them in there. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. MJ, who are we thanking? We're thanking our sidecast fanatics: Shane Curry, Philip Grigard, Jared Colian, Henrik Wilberg, Alexander Batten, and welcoming Nick Wooster. Ooh, the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though I saw the Patreon email, and it is definitely. Not the, I'm not gonna expose it. It's the real Nick Booster, okay? It's, it's yeah, the real guys, the real Nick Booster's a fan. It's established yeah. now. There it is. We'll see if he continues uh, for next for following months. I think we missed him for MJ's episode, but hey, we got him on on this one. Yeah. This is what happens when we record episodes in advance, and then we I check the Patreon to see what's changed, and I go, oh shit, we forgot this guy. <laughs> yeah. Too uh, bad. But thank you, thank you again to everyone. Um uh what else i mean nothing else going on as spencer's going to new york i'm going to i mean this this episode will come out yeah we'll <laughs> after he's back be he'll gone. be back <laughs> yeah. yeah this comes back because yeah you're gone what march 12th or whatever um, march uh, 7th or march 12th okay yeah. yeah this comes out the end of march so you'll be back <laughs> i'll be back unless i'm not maybe <laughs> maybe i'm trapped over there I thought you say dead. I'm like, don't say that. I could that. be dead, but probably not. Yeah, at that rave. At the rave, yes. Okay. I die at the, the 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 Babylon party. There you go, with with tugboat McGuire. Yeah. Um, you can follow this podcast at Style and Direction, where we post cool outfits, uh, of ourselves sometimes, uh, yeah. inspiration stuff, as well as the sad head Thursday recaps. Yeah. And really quick, I just gotta say. I feel like the guy eating rats is not the scariest thing that was happening in that tunnel. Uh, what was? The Babylon Tunnel, remember? How the no, bottom no, what, level... what, what was the scariest thing? I don't know, thing? there was the weird, like, torture dungeon. Like, I feel yeah, like... I, I feel that's like, worse. That's worse. <laughs> it is kind of like... I, I feel like it's kind of funny that they went down all these levels and they saw all these people, get like, locked up in cages and, like, screaming. I mean, it might have been screams of pleasure and pain. But still, like, the, the most horrifying thing that Damon Chazelle can come up with is, like, a circus strongman eating rats. They had those at freak shows above ground. It's not, you don't have to be under you Los Angeles to, to do that. Yeah, there's like, uh, yeah, that's not even a sex thing. That's not that freaky. So, so you're saying the, sex is the scariest thing you can do? So I'm so just saying, saying like that the levels like, should have been rearranged there. Yeah, it was going from like, the, the least or they should have seen something, the... something scarier. Like, the mo- like, he's just asking him to eat more rats. He's not even saying, like, put it in your ass or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's what should have happened. Yeah, yeah, like a like an Ant Man Thanos situation. We got to do a Babylon too. <laughs> like, we, well, do, do we also got to like rewatch the great? Are we going to rewatch the Great? Gatsby? We should honestly do like a back to back, a double feature of Gatsby and Babylon because we that's East Coast, that's that's like West Coast Gatsby, I guess, and East Coast Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. and uh i couldn't think of another cardinal direction in another movie that it could be what well, yeah what's um, the northern babylon or gatsby what's a canadian movie canadian? about a wild party how about oh, the wild... santa claus that's the most north yeah exactly and they had probably party all those elves why? Why don't they? Why don't they have a Santa Claus movie set in nineteen twenties? They should. I mean, yeah, it th- could they like, could be the North Pole Gatsby. How about okay? How about this? It's a Santa Claus, Santa Claus movie set in the nineteen twenties. Santa Claus, 
he he's he's just in regular he's in a brown fur coat or something and then he sees like a new coca-cola ad in the saturday evening post and he's like what the fuck they got me wearing this red coat with the white trim and he's like hmm maybe i'll start doing that and it's all about how santa got his look uh hey chat gpt write a menswear <laughs> movie about about santa claus uh-huh. um i'm ethan m wong i'm spencer dso and i'm at Aya mj we'll see you guys in the next one Bye-bye. bye bye bye